64,000 is the median number of words per book. Average person reads about 200 words per minute. Simple math will tell us that is one book in 320 minutes. To accomplish this in seven days, numbers say you would have to read for 45 minutes a day. Don't forget to subscribe. Hit that notification button, like, comment, and share. Enjoy. Hello, and happy day. How does slowing down sound to you today? Would you like to reduce the noise for just a bit? Are you ready to make a choice and decide to listen? My name is Igor S.F. Walker, and I am here to remind people to slow down, to reduce the noise, to walk their lives into a natural flow. Welcome back to the Book of the Week series. Every week, as I read another amazing title, I share it with the world. Today, we look at The Myth of Sisyphus by Albert Camus. In this video, we look at one of the most influential works of its century, a crucial exposition on existentialist thought, a meditation on suicide. A question of living or not living in a universe devoid of order or meaning, reaffirming the value of personal existence and the possibility of life lived with dignity and authenticity. Stick around till the end. I will share with you some tools. I do have a news that will help you tremendously in this game of life. Discover a way to find out what actually motivates you, what innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. I will share some tools to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management. It is legitimate and necessary to wonder whether life has a meaning. Therefore, it is legitimate to meet the problem of suicide face-to-face. -face. The answer underlying and appearing through the paradoxes which do cover it is this. Even if one does not believe in God, suicide is not legitimate. There is but only one true, serious philosophical problem, and that is suicide. Judging whether life is or is not worth living amounts to answering the fundamental questions of philosophy, all the rest, whether or not the world has three dimensions whether the mind has nine or twelve categories, comes afterwards. These are games. One must first answer, and if it is true, as Nietzsche claims, that a philosopher, to deserve our respect, must preach by example. You can appreciate the importance of that reply, for it will precede the definitive act, whether the earth or the sun revolves around the other. It's a matter of profound indifference. To tell the truth, it is a futile question. On the other hand, I see many people die because they judge that life is not worth living. I see others, paradoxically, getting killed for the ideas or illusions that give them a reason for living. What is a call the reason for living? is also an excellent reason for dying. 
I therefore conclude that the meaning of life is the most urgent of questions. Hope of another life, one must deserve, or trickery of those who not live for life itself, but for some great idea that will transcend it, define it, give it a meaning, and betray it. People have played on words and pretended to believe that refusing to grant a meaning to life necessarily leads to declaring that it is not worth living. In truth, there is no necessary common measure between these two judgments. One merely has to refuse to be misled by the confusions, divorces, and inconsistencies previously pointed out. It is barely possible to speak of the experience of others' death. It is a substitute, an illusion, and it never quite convinces us that melancholy convention cannot be persuasive. The horror comes in the reality from the mathematical aspect of the event, if time frightens us. This is because it works out the problem and the solution comes afterward. All the pretty speeches about the soul will have their contrary convincingly proved at least for time. For this inert body on which a slap makes no mark, a soul has disappeared. This elementary and definitive aspect of the adventure continues the absurd feeling under the fatal lightning of that destiny, its uselessness becomes evident. No code of ethics and no effort are justifiable a priori in the face of the cruel mathematics that command our condition. Let me repeat, all this has been said over and over. They run through all literature and all philosophies. Everyday conversation feeds on them. There is no question of reinventing them, but it is essential to be sure of these facts in order to be able to question oneself subsequently on the primordial question. One is assured of these facts. What is one to conclude? How far is one to go to elude nothing? Is one to die voluntarily, or to hope in spite of everything? Of whom and of what? Indeed, can I say, I know that. This heart within me I can feel, and I judge that it exists. This world I can touch, and I likewise judge that it exists. There ends all my knowledge, and the rest is construction for if I try to seize this self, of which I feel sure, if I try to define and summarize it, it is nothing but water slipping through my fingers. I can sketch one by one all the aspects. It is able to assume all those likewise that have been attributed to it, this upbringing, this origin, this order, 
or these silences, this nobility or this villainess. But aspects cannot be added up. This very heart, which is mine, will forever remain indefinable to me between the certainty I have of my existence and the content I try to give to that assurance, the gap will never be filled. Forever I shall be a stranger to myself. In psychology, as in logic, there are truths, but no truth. At the final stage, you teach me that this wondrous and multicolored universe can be reduced to the atom and that the atom itself can be reduced to the electron. All this is good, and I wait for you to continue. But then you tell me of an invisible planetary system in which electrons gravitate around a nucleus. You explain this world to me with an image. I realize then that you have been reduced to poetry. I shall never know. Have I the time to become indignant? I have returned to my beginning. I realize that if I thought through science, I can seize phenomena and enumerate them. I cannot, for all that, apprehend the world were I to trace its entire relief with my finger, I should not know any more. And you give me the choice between a description that is sure but teaches me nothing about the hypothesis that it claims to teach me, but that are not sure, a stranger to myself and to the world, armed solely with the thought that negates itself as soon as it asserts. What is the condition in which I can have peace? Only by refusing to know and to live, in which the appetite for conquest bumps into walls that defy its assaults, to will it, to stir up paradoxes. Everything is ordered in such a way as to bring into being that is poisoned peace produced by thoughtlessness, lack of heart, and fatal renunciations. There exists an obvious fact that seems utterly moral, namely that a man is always a prey to his truths. Once he has admitted them, he cannot free himself from them. One has to pay something. A man who has become conscious of the absurd is forever bound to it. A man devoid of hope and conscious of being so has ceased to belong to the future that is natural. But it is just as natural that he should strive to escape the universe of which he is the creator. Originally, Hustle's method negates the classic procedure of the reason. Let me repeat, thinking is not unifying or making the appearance 
familiar under the guise of a great principle. Thinking is learning all over again how to see, directing one's consciousness, making of every image a privileged place. In other words, phenomenology declines to explain the world. It wants to merely get a description of actual experience. It confirms absurd thought in its initial assertion that there is no truth but merely truths. From the evening breeze to this hand on my shoulder, everything has its truth. Consciousness illuminates it by paying attention to it. Consciousness does not form the object of its understanding. It merely focuses. It is the act of attention. And to borrow a Bergsonian image, it resembles the projector that suddenly focuses on an image. The difference is that there is no scenario, but a successive and incoherent illustration. In that magical lantern, all the pictures are privileged. Consciousness suspends in experience the objects of its attention. Through its miracle, it isolates them. Henceforth, they are beyond all judgments. This is the intention that characterizes consciousness. But the word does not imply any idea of finality. It is taken in its sense of direction. Its only value is topographical. I don't know whether this world has a meaning that transcends it, but I do know that I do not know that meaning and that it is impossible for me just now to know it. What can a meaning outside my condition mean to me? I can understand only in human terms what I touch, what resists me, that is what I understand. And these two certainties, my appetite for the absolute and also for unity, and the impossibility of reducing this world to a rational and reasonable principle, I also know that I cannot reconcile them. What other truth can I admit without lying, without bringing in a hope I lack, and it means nothing within the limits of my condition? indifference to the future, and a desire to use up everything that is given. Belief in the meaning of life always implies a scale of values, a choice, or preferences. Belief in the absurd, according to our definitions, teaches the contrary. But this is worth examining. If I convince myself that this life has no other aspect than that of the absurd, if I feel that its whole equilibrium depends on that perpetual opposition between my conscious revolt and the darkness in which it struggles, if I admit that my freedom has no meaning except in relation 
to its limited faith, then I must say that what counts is not the best living, but the most living. It is not up to me to wonder if this is vulgar or revolting, elegant or deplorable, once and for all, while you judgments are discarded here in favor of factual judgments. I have merely to draw the conclusions from what I can see and to risk nothing that is hypothetical, supposing that living in this way were not honorable, then true propriety would command me to be dishonorable. A man's rule of conduct and his scale of values have no meaning except through the quantity and variety of experiences he has been in a position to accumulate. No, says the conqueror, do not assume that because I love action, I have had to forget how to think. On the contrary, I can thoroughly define what I believe, for I believe it firmly, and I see it surely and clearly. Beware of those who say, I know this too well to be able to express it, for if they cannot do so, this is because they do not know it or because of laziness. They stopped at the outer crust. The gods had condemned Sisyphus to ceaselessly rolling a rock to the top of a mountain. Once a stone would fall back of its own weight. They had thought with some reason, and there is no more dreadful punishment that, than futile and hopeless labor. If one believes Homer, Sisyphus was the wisest and the most prudent of mortals. According to another tradition, however, he was disposed to practice the profession of highwaymen. I see no contradiction in this. Options differ. Opinions differ as to the reasons why he became the futile laborer of the underworld. To begin with, he is accused of a certain levity in regard to the gods. He stole their secrets. Aegina, the daughter of Ezephus, was carried off by Jupiter. The father was shocked by that disappearance and then complained to Sisyphus. He, who knew of the abduction, offered to tell about it on condition that Ezephus would give water to the citadel of Corinth. To the celestial thunderbolts, he preferred the benediction of water. He was punished for this in the underworld. Homer tells us also that Sisyphus had put death in chains. You have already grasped that Sisyphus is the absurd hero. He is as much through his passions as through his torture, his scorn of the gods, his hatred of death, and his passion for life won him that unspeakable penalty in which the whole being is exerted towards accomplishing nothing. This is the price that must be paid 
for the passions of this earth. If this myth is tragic, that is because its superhero is conscious. Where would his torture be, indeed, if at every step the hope of succeeding upheld him? The workman of today works every day in his life at the same task, and his faith is no less absurd, but it is tragic only at the rare moments when it becomes conscious. If the descent is thus sometimes performed in sorrow, it can also take place in joy. This word is not too much. Again, I fancy Sisyphus returning to his rock, and the sorrow was in the beginning, where the image of earth clinging too tightly to memory, when the call of happiness becomes too insistent, it happens that melancholy rises in a man's heart. This is the rock's victory. This is the rock itself. The boundless grief is too heavy to bear. There is no sun without shadow, and it is essential to know at night the absurd man says yes and his efforts will henceforth be unceasing. If there is a personal faith, there is no higher destiny, or at least there is but one which he concludes is inevitable and despicable for the rest. He knows himself to be the master of his days. And there you have it, the myth of Sisyphus. Please do help out. It is easy. Simply like this video so more people can enjoy it. Share it too and spread the word. Leave a comment and share your thoughts. Subscribe to my channel and stay up to date. And the link to this book is in the description below so you buy it and read and never stop learning, especially learning about yourself and nature. So gift yourself by taking the free human needs test on my website and find out what actually motivates you. What innate human need is driving all of your decisions and your behavior. And if you feel you are ready to improve your self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, and relationship management even further, do check out my Master of Life Awareness program. The links are in the description below. Thank you. Love and respect.